Do you want to talk about how you're feeling right now? Oh, so many questions. What does this mean? What do I do? <laughs> Go on! Tell them what you think! I liked it. I think your calculations may have been off. I think it's all right. I just have a lot of feelings. This pleases me. These are perfectly normal feelings. Do you even know what you sound like when you talk like that? Now, shall we begin? We wish to impress upon you, Hair Top Secret, that we have methods for dealing with movie choices that will not cooperate. Now, for the last time, why did you attack our beloved World War II movie classics? I didn't know who they were. I just saw them pull a gun on a girl. Might I remind you, Hair Top Secret, that the penalty for murder is death by firing squad. Let us hope for your sake that those movies survive. Yeah, it is the hospital in general. What is the condition of the war movie classics? Hmm, yeah, yeah, I see. Well, let me know if there's a change to their condition. They are dead. I'm afraid you leave me no alternative but to introduce you to two of mine associates. Drew likes structure and has to watch movies wholly by curated watch lists. Nathan is a cherry picker who knows only what he reads on the back of shampoo bottles while drinking shower water. I believe they will never let the movie lose consciousness, however long they may watch it. You don't scare me. My host, Jack, is on his way to the American movie consulate. Do not be so sure, Hair Top Secret. Evidently, your host did not realize that here in East Germany, we have 220 distinctive types of sausage. He was found in his hotel room immobilized by gout and demanding more mustard. Our sausage makers did what they could, but it took them two hours of continuous feeding just to get the smile off his face. Perhaps the military comedy spoof has chosen to reconsider? <laughs> Make sure they leave no marks. My shots. Hey, all right. Uh, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, welcome back to the Real Feels podcast, where we bring you a different movie of a different genre uh, fortnightly. 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 And uh, the ye old grab baggins uh, bounty on to me for this episode was military comedy. And we have chosen, I have chosen, 1984's Top Secret. Let's let's see some of that beautiful, beautiful bean footage. Looking for a video that will make you laugh out loud? Then catch Val Kilmer in this undercover comedy where East meets West. How did you say to him? Nothing. I just told him I put his name on the Montgomery Ward mailing list. Hillary. That's an unusual name. It's a German name. It means she whose bosoms defy gravity. Grenade! It seems that you have become, how do you say, indispensable? Indispensable? I'm not the first guy who fell in love with a girl he met in a restaurant who then turned out to be the daughter of a kidnapped scientist, only the loser to her childhood lover who she'd last seen on a deserted island and who turned out 15 years later to be the leader of the French underground. I know it. It all sounds like some bad movie. When the creators of Airplane and the Naked Gun set out to make a spy spoof, the laughs fall hard on the East German High Command in Top Secret. Le tree 
mean? <laughs> what funny oh. dog poop? Don't I know you from somewhere, monsieur? Uh, Have we not met? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> have you guys ever seen this movie before? I think I, I, I drunkenly put it on during our uh, our like Christmas Hamsmas one Hams, year. Uh, it was this last Hamsmas. You uh, you put it on. We uh, we got to enjoy the the uh, the newness of your home, and uh, yes. Hamsmas was there. And yes, drunkenly put it on, which was great because. <laughs> I think it just I think it just added to it. So I did not enjoy it as much at your house as I did like just because there's stuff going on. Yeah, and I was I didn't know how to take it, like if it was a comedy or if it, more No, scratch that. I knew that it was a comedy, obviously, <laughs> but how serious it was taking itself. Oh. Upon mm. watching it four, three and a half times now uh, doing this. I am well aware of what it is, what it's going for, and just how strangely deep the jokes are in this this film. That they never get mentioned. Some of them never get touched. You just have to see it and go, "Oh, there's darts on the uh, the English bullseye airplane at the very very end." Like. Wh- why? Uh, just the the some of the little methodical. things like when uh, the German soldier pulls up to the command headquarters in his motorcycles, but puts the traces around uh, <laughs> like he's he's tying up a horse, which leads up to you know him like you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which <laughs> is one of the best parts. I died laughing because it caught me off guard so well of just where he's like. It's methodical. Just the the visual gags, like when the German removes his helmet out of respect to present the dispatch to the general, and he still has like the chin strap from the helmet painted onto his face. And then like the the general strap reads the the message, and of course he has a rubber stamp on his desk that, boom, find them and kill them. Because that's something we would all just need in our daily lives. Of course, they're the directors, the Zaz brothers, like they had a rule where if there is a joke going on in the background, there cannot be one in, you know, up front to distract from the joke. So like when the general comes to the club and is trying to get a table, it's in the background that you have to notice that Nick Rivers is getting not like, oh, look, we require a jacket. We think, you know, we think like, oh, they're just going to go give him a jacket. No, he's getting a whole suit tailored. And each like cutaway and cutback, it's like <laughs> him getting measured, him in his boxers, him putting on the shirt. It's uh, and, hilarious. And Drew, uh, thank you for bringing up Zaz. Uh, everyone probably is on their radar. You've seen something they've done. But Zaz stands for the uh, American comedy directing writing team that was Jim Abrams and the brothers David Zucker and Jerry Zucker. So their first uh, filmography was they were screenwriters for a movie that I rented from Blockbuster without my mom knowing just what it contained back in the day called the <laughs> Kentucky Fried Movie. They were responsible for 
for uh, 1980s Airplane, the short-lived Police Squad TV show. Top secret, of course, The Naked Gun came from David Zucker by himself. Jerry Zucker did Ghost. Naked Gun, again, Jerry Zucker. And then Jim Abrams did Hot Shots 1 and Hot Shots Part Duh. So, and, and First Night, by the way, also David Zucker, uh, or Jerry Zucker, go figure. But uh, mm-hmm. they, they did a few episodes of, like, Police Squad as well, but not even all of them aired. Well, yeah, because it was which canceled is, after six episodes. Wait, no, no, no. And that's why it's hilarious. It's almost like a joke and a joke where, like, on... You know, people are knowing it's like, oh, from the creators of Airplane and Police Squad. And we were like, what? What show? <laughs> so the, the budget for this was uh, about eight and a half to nine million dollars. It came in a million dollars under budget. Uh, and it's unfortunately for that time was considered a box office bomb. It only made 20 million dollars. So today, though, it has gotten that acclaimed, you know, cult classic status just because of how outlandish it is. There's a gag in Ever, there's no straight scenes in this movie. Like, there is some sort of visual gag going on, or there are entire scenes that is just one big gag. So what were what were some of your favorite gags that you guys uh, uh, noticed or that oh, tickled man. you? I would probably say... Mm. See, and I'm trying to think, like, for tiny little things, not so much like the big things, because, I mean, obviously, we'll get to the bigger things, but... I think one of the first things that I very much laughed at was taking off the helmet and the chin strap is still painted on his face. I thought that was absolutely hilarious. When he's in the train car, Nick is like seeing everything pass by and he's like, he's painting. And you realize that he's painting like the whizzing blur. There is sauerkraut <laughs> past, past in my lederhosen. <laughs> None of that is real German that you're listening to. Well, there is real German in it, and there's a lot of Yiddish well, phrases like and swear, but that specific scene, that was all that was all nonsensical. The little things like the uh, the the man getting harassed on the train platform, uh, and he's taken out back and shot, and, and the dogs rip open the suspicious package and it's milk bones. The dog when he they're going to uh nick rivers is trying to escape with the lady uh in this uh hillary uh which, which was played by lucy gutteridge and they open a door mark janitor and there's just a, a guy in there holding a mop <laughs> and that that makes me laugh every time even more these days because the janitor kind of looks like my buddy brett and brett has a very <laughs> flat affect so when they open the door the guys just stand there like yes <laughs> you know the prop room doesn't have props in it it has propellers off of airplanes and then the, the three german soldiers that finally bust through to rest nick those are the directors those are the zucker brothers right. and uh, jim abrams uh some some parts for me that killed just killed it obviously the bicycles like um <laughs> yeah like, yeah. Shooing the whole, yeah 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 <laughs> but just Every little time there was, I don't the the whole shootout scene while they're in the house and he skips the window that's already broken <laughs> to break a window. Uh, <laughs> they're doing tic tac toe. Well, I think it's uh, one of the little little ones where it's either deja vu or it's latrine. But he he sneezes in his hand and looks at it and then just goes like screaming, running across the room like it, in the window. The same window. scene with like the terror. Like what <laughs> what is going on here? <laughs> Because because he was uh, wasn't it was it was uh, it was a uh, chocolate moose was telling Nick he's all like we are all prepared like we have all faced our dangers and head and like take them on headstrong and then yeah he sneezes into his hand and he sees it and he's like ah. I I really enjoyed seeing Jim Carter who plays Deja Vu 
uh, in this. Yeah, it's, because it's um, oh, Christ. From, from uh, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. Yeah. From Downton Abbey, yeah. Uh, Downton. And Peter Cushing, obviously, as the Swedish bookstore book owner. That's right. Which, it was hard to, like, at first, Jack, when you told me that was him, I was like, oh, that is him. The eye does kind <laughs> well, of. Well, it's meant to be distracted. <laughs> and that was his last it, it uh, last film appearance as well for Peter oh. Cushing. Also, Jeremy Kemp played uh, General Streck, uh, which if you are a, a Star Trek uh, The Next Generation, he played Robert Picard, Picard's brother who ran the uh, the winery. And then we have Michael Goh, I think is the pronunciation, who everyone who has grown up during the 80s or 90s would recognize as Alfred from the Alfred. Uh, the original yeah. four Batman movies, the the uh, Schumacher and um, uh, Rock. No, no, Rockheimer? no. Oh, Christ. Uh, who did the first Batman? Burton? Burton, yeah. The Burton and, yeah, and yeah, uh, Tim Burton. Bruckheimer, those four movies. Yeah. And I mean, what, what like a, you know, fortuitous like meetup it's like oh we're eventually going to be in a movie again yeah. together omar sharif and, I mean, oh, for crying out right. loud omar sharif oh my gosh he was you the 13th these... warrior lawrence of arabia lawrence of, I mean, okay i but i liked him because he's a small little part in 13th warrior but i saw him i was just like oh that's you it's you but i think I think that's the thing where you have to appreciate when it was this era and the style of these movies for this spoof comedy, you had big name dramatic actors and it was so funny and so like unseen to have them be in these style of comedies where they could actually hold it. They could take the comedic aspect to it. They could run with it. And it Just was like so, the, uh, so good. The intelligence scene with Omar Sharif where he meets his contact who is, you know, selling the uh the <laughs> novelties, uh, the, the, the novelties <laughs> party tricks, souvenirs. Here, sir, smell this flower. <laughs> Here, try this out, sir. You'll be the, the life of the party. But it doesn't come off like super forced like if no. Har when Harrison Ford tries to do like comedy sometimes I'm like no no dude it, I don't think this is working very well like you're when he was in the movie 47 I don't know if you guys ever saw that where it's like a bunch of like yeah yeah it it just doesn't work just throwing a bunch of big actors in something that this works though some of these yeah. uh oh. moments they just work well because the movie is done with a straight face like yeah th all this comedy is happening right before your eyes but it is done with a straight face it's not like some of the later iterations like the scary movies and you know not another teen movie and stuff like that where like they are they're always winking at them themselves like look they how clever we are they do wink one time when they uh they say you know well that would make such that would make a bad movie and they look slowly <laughs> at like, the camera. I'm like, yeah, like something out of a bad movie. And you're like, OK, there's the nod. There's the fourth wall break. Yeah, but as far as the comedy goes, it's very accessible to anyone. There's only a few topical moments. I mean, I think Pac-Man is is well into uh, public domain. I thought that was yeah. I thought that was brilliant. But there's only a few times where they mention a specific movie or a specific actor, actress by name or a singer like this is it's not not Mel Torme. 
something like right. that where um, uh, the movies that came on after this later on uh, it was so much more period specific where the the writers are drawing on what's going on immediately now and they're not drawing on you know this movie is based off the love that these directors had for old world war ii movies and also old Elvis movies and Cold War movies. And they, they couldn't do a period piece, so they set it in Cold War East Germany, but they also say right up front, like, the time period is really just kind of all over the place for this. Mm-hmm. You know, the only time there's a swastika in it is in Der Pizza House during the pizza dance scene uh, where there's a, a Hitler clock on the wall and he's pointing with swastikas in his hands. And that's something yeah. I've only picked up after watching this movie dozens and dozens of times over the year. I see you have become, how do you say, indispensable. Yeah, indispensable. That's how you say it. <laughs> Uh, That's what, what I but thought. Some of, like the, the sight gags, like Omar Sharif getting crushed into the car. Yeah. And like, you know, the, uh, the windshield she, the window, And then like when she leans over and her cleavage is in his face, when she's tried to get the glove box open and the antenna extends. Uh, uh-uh. she, she plugs in a, a, a can of juice, like like putting a can of oil into like the car. Ah, yeah. oh, that's much better. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's it's funny because, I mean, obviously, like, okay, you can laugh at it and you're like, ha ha dick joke. But who cares? Like, it's not done in such a crude manner. Even the fact, like, when they go to the ballet, it's just mocking the fact that, like, hey, look, obviously, you know, Robin Williams did a stand-up where, you know, uh, men who took on, like, ballet at Juilliard, like, leotards so tight like you could tell what religion they are <laughs> with the ballet dancer the men are all lined up opposite each other yes. and she goes running down like <laughs> like leaping running. off of their uh, their protruding cod pieces right Ugh. i mean it's just it's such a sight gag it's so funny it, it, i mean even when he runs up to the uh the balcony seat and he saves you know the his his lady love and he's like smushing the guy's face like get away from her pulls his hands away and the smush face is still there that's hilarious. And before that, That's when they funny. show him watching the show, and they show him seated next to the dignitaries, they're passing out concessions like it's a baseball game. Like there's right. drinks and hot dogs and popcorn getting passed <laughs> in this like very highbrow opera scene. It's just the absurdity of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's so well done. This movie ages well in some aspects because um, it didn't have that topical humor. Right. But they. They kind of bet on the future and not said racial jokes about other races. They they primarily poked at I think like uh, like do you know any good white basketball players? There are no good white, basketball, no good players. white basketball players. I'm like, players. hey, that's a line that that you could say now, and it would still get a good laugh. Who do you who do you uh, cheer for at the at the Wimbledon <laughs> Open? I always vote against the heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> or when when the uh, the East German girls Olympic team comes down, like it's just muscular men in drag. That was actually pretty funny. I rewatched this with my parents, and my dad my dad got a good laugh at that. I, I thought it was just it, it's ridiculously funny towards again, even with non topical humor. And there's so many things that you can laugh at where you don't need to understand what era the joke is coming from. Very, very few are you actually going to need to know what it is. But like even the the Pinto gag, like if you understood the fact that like Ford screwed up royally on the design of the Pinto and 
there if it got rear-ended in the back, it would ignite the gas tank, and then the car was notorious for blowing up. You don't need to know that. You just need to know that, like, oh, look, it barely tapped it, and the car exploded. It's still fun. Or, or things that are completely made up, like when they're doing the waltz during the uh, the fine dining <laughs> scene. Like, what a ridiculous dance! Like they're clapping and then like they're they're you know inflating their mouths. <laughs> and the the partner is is you know pushing in on their cheeks with the finger to get the the fart noises. It's just this little stew, you know. Like you said at the beginning, like I know a little German. He's right over there, and there's a little little uh, little German man in lederhosen. It's like Hello. how happy is how happy is he just like waving he's like she noticed me <laughs> uh but uh we haven't really mentioned val kilmer much this was first pretty movie. pretty young uh for him i think this is only his first well that wasn't his first but his first like real yeah, no, it was, was it it was his very first film yeah. and this was he sang all the songs like that's his voice they released oh, yeah. the soundtrack and that it was credited for helping him get on as jim morrison in the doors movie yeah mm-hmm. and then i think it's when did top gun come out was that like two or four years later it was like 86 that, through 88 somewhere in there i think okay so it's like two to four years 86. later i don't know i, I don't know when top gun came out you know he i, I thought that his career was kind of bulked in the early years and that he fell off and just disappeared but i mean he he's done stuff that has surfaced and was decent Mm -hmm. well into the 2000s but something is up with him and i know that he had i guess what throat cancer yeah he had throat cancer but i still feel like there's something more to that of why he like dipped out mentally yeah maybe that could be i think the last thing i saw him in he was playing the villain in mcgruber exactly that's what i remember his like last big thing but i mean he's been doing other stuff since then like little cameos he was in i guess the movie uh the snowman which it was like a horror film. Was? Oh, yes, that's right. He was in The Snowman, which was uh, not good. Did you guys watch, uh, I think it was Mindhunters? Or, mm, no. was it, what was it? The one that was on Netflix, the series? No, it was a uh, a movie with Christian Slater was in it for a little bit. Blah, 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 blah. I watched him recently. I mean, recently, as in like maybe like a year and a half ago. He was in a horror movie called uh, The Super, and he played like the super of an apartment building where this family uh, moves in and it, like strange things start going about yeah, and happening. Oh, sorry, and he's in a movie called Mindhunters with LL Cool J, Christian okay. Slater. It's a good little uh, horror, not super puzzly, but a little bit puzzly. So, you know, that that tickles my my fancy a little bit. It's a good one one off. Just watch and go. OK, cool. I mean, he was still Mad Mardigan to me. Iceman, oh, yeah. the Saint. Saint. I still love that movie. Mm. So I don't know. But this was a, a good role for him. Apparently, he showed up to the audition dressed as Elvis Presley. Yeah. You know, it's a weird movie. The It opens with the the skeet, skeet surfing song about <laughs> skeet shooting while you're surfing and uh, sort of the... The like Annette Fudicello sort of era. Of it's like Beach Beach Boys, Beach Boys sort of thing. Um, there's a lot. Did you notice that on the the top the top uh, like ten or top one hundred list of like you know songs in America? All three are his, and all or three of them are some guns. form about skeet shooting. 
<laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's it kind of still captures the American imag- imagination that they were joking about that back in the 80s about, you know, Americans really do love their guns. They love them so much that they take them on skeet skeet shooting events where they're surfing on the beach with their honeys. He'll forever be, you know, Doc Holliday and Tombstone. Yeah. Well, yeah, Daisy if you do. But this watching this movie <laughs> really gave me an appreciation for early, early, early Val Kilmer. And even more than The Doors, Jim Morrison, which I wasn't... It was a good movie, but that just wasn't my kind of Val Kilmer. And this... It's kind of one of those, I'm glad that I, you know, when like an old, when someone passes and you're at the funeral and you're talking about when you knew them and the memories you have of them, you didn't have to be there during the, uh, the late years where they were senile and they were angry at people. You got to be there for the good times. And I feel like I've had Val Kilmer for the good times. I would agree with that. This was just, anytime we turn it on, it's just like, look how young he is. Yes, very young. <laughs> Man. For, for me as a kid, I always, I loved watching him in The Island of Dr. Moreau playing Montgomery. I loved that movie as a kid, but it scared me so much. Just like the, the, the creature effects and like the idea that like the, the merging of man and animal. I, I loved it, but it, it was, to me, it was just still... Oh, it was, it was such a creepy, creepy aspect, especially for a movie that was just like shown on TV. And of course, I had like had to like hide it like between commercials from, from my mom as like a 10 year old kid going like, let's go. So the, the directors, uh, you know, Abram Zucker Zucker, they say that Airplane was a, a full on real movie and that top secret is just 90 minutes of jokes and and i think that's a fair approximation the the plot is just sort of there in the background to help the jokes along there's no like, real there's story no real either. set time period <laughs> it's it's no no it's no, just no, no, like, no. I would, like i would disagree with that i'm sorry i would just, i mean i would disagree with the fact that like if you take away the jokes even even uh, Zaz, as they said in an interview, they had said, even if you take away the jokes, there's still a solid plot. Uh, like, there's still a story to tell. It doesn't end on a high note. It's just sort of like it. And and <clears throat> for me, and I've watched it so many times, but at about the, I don't know, 70, 75 minute mark, you're just sort of like, more gags. More. There's more. still more gags. <laughs> We're like, I and I and that's one of the things that sets this movie apart is it is from beginning to end just just spoofs and gag fest every single scene. But <laughs> you do get kind of run down on that. There's only so many times you could be like, oh, that's 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 pretty clever. <laughs> that's cute. <laughs> so it it does it does sort of run dry. Let's see what were my what were my clues for this one. So your clues. All right, we had a a crushed car for mm-hmm. uh, Agent Cedric. Uh, we had the actor from <laughs> the Blue Lagoon, which is uh, where they got the inspiration for Nigel's look, even down to the right. the necklace and his opening yep. in like the palm fronds and cod piece. Uh, we've got Chocolate Moose for the one of the best uh, portrayals of French Resistance and Deja Vu. 
uh, as well. So those were my my uh, clues for for this movie. I hope somebody out there got them. I think military comedy my and man. chocolate boost. If you're if you're a fan of military comedy at all, <laughs> that should go right to the top. Yeah, and and the crush car is a giveaway. I, I think the crush car would be uh, would be a good giveaway. I mean, maybe even Blue Lagoon if they really really do remember. And I mean, what's I think what's unfortunate is that. With something like Top Secret, I think it has to have that niche cult following because it it's not like it's surpassed, but I think it's so predated to some of the spoof films that are a little bit more well known, so, even though this kind of like being the grandfather of them. I honestly did not get the blue. Lagoon it, it's it's kind of overlooked. I, I thought would say. it was a Island of the Blue Dolphins reference. Because like and, no no okay because when she was talking about like, her Lagoon. brother and I was like well her brother dies in the book if I yeah. remember correctly like and and I'm like God I am digging way back way <laughs> see that's that's where I'm going with a little bit of like the plot drew it's like that that's their connection is they were shipwrecked and that he got rescued but, but they I were do. communists and that's how why that's 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 why that he's the traitor uh, I love. <laughs> That he's like, you think it's the first time that I've ever fallen for and like, and he gives that whole speech like, like, wait, that exactly <laughs> happened. That's great. Or yeah, they have that whole conversation after they've parachuted out of the airplane and like they kiss passionately. And then there is a roaring fireplace on another parachute that just happens to be in the background. Like, I, I love some of that. Just that little stuff well, right there. Or the, the guy who plays Nick Rivers uh, manager, like he he goes into the the cell where he's being kept there's that really weird aside about how he can't bring his wife to orgasm so dick rivers just happens to have the anal intruder 5000 like the double pronged multiple attachments it's like a mini jackhammer yeah. With a plug. And, and then <laughs> it took two hours. He goes. The first thing he attaches is the fist. <laughs> and when they show it later on, is that being the cause of death for him? He was found impaled on an electrical device. It's like a, a half split banana attachment on yeah. top. Uh, and, but when he leaves Nick and he's like, don't worry, Nick, everything will be all right. And then he gives him this smile that's just so lacking in confidence. Just. <laughs> That that's what makes me bust out laughing anymore. Uh, there's the weird scene where they look over the side of I think the building the opera is in, and it's the set from Superman that they had to, the camera to shoot down at the, the city streets below. But of course they filled it up with like mice and hamsters. I love that. It's like I, I need to explain. I don't think you can. Uh, but folks, like this isn't going to really win any awards for it may win in your in my mind for creativity, but it's just some it's something else. It's like nothing I've ever seen before uh, or will ever see again. It's just its own separate thing. And, and that's that's, you know, oh, you like movies. Have you ever seen Top Secret? Many people haven't. You know, it, it came out. I was two years old when it came out. You guys weren't even born yet. <laughs> We were a thought. You were a thought. <laughs> a twinkle. A gleam in your daddy's <laughs> eyes. But it doesn't have like the notoriety of, of Airplane because Airplane went on to to spawn. Then they used the same actor in the uh, uh, was a Naked Gun franchise. And then he went on to do Mafia later on. So, you know. We were actually just, we were just discussing like the, the, the history of these spoof films where to me, this is my style of humor. 
I love this stuff because this is what I grew up on. I grew up on things like Hot Shots and Airplane and uh, the Naked Guns franchise. And I was telling Nathan, I, I said, like, I think the last of these specific spoof films was Mafia. And, and that was in 1998. And then the very first scary movie, which I believe was the like the newer generation of it to come, was in 2000. So I think Mafia was the very last of this kind of era. Yeah, and we brought that up uh, as as far as how movies have changed over time, and and I brought up the spoof, and it is very true. You don't see movies like this anymore, and I was thinking about it while I was watching it again last night, and it's like maybe our society has just gotten so absurd that there's not really much left to spoof at this point. Like if you want to spoof, turn on the news. It's already there. It doesn't have to be uh, packaged for you. It's it's already a joke. Did you guys? I, uh, oh, go ahead, Drew. Oh, no, I mean, I was going to kind of like go off Jack's saying that like you don't necessarily see spoof movies anymore. I think that are clever or that are like really, really smart humor, kind of like Top Secret or Hot Shots and Airplane and stuff. And I think it's more to the point because I don't think a lot of the jokes are going to land specifically. And I think. Uh, in general, an audience today is, I don't know, I think they need like shock value humor. But even yeah. when they're given shock value humor, that even doesn't like stick the landing for them because you had things like not that it's a great example because it was horrible. It was it was it was not a good movie, but you had whatever that m that puppet uh, cop movie with Melissa uh, McCarthy. You about to say uh, Team America was yeah. not good? I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, no, yeah, no. Yeah, but no, that's no. that's even that's a, a sort of a genre. A that's kind of like beast itself. Uh, well, I mean, but, like that's like the, parody uh, I think I think. Hold on, is it Jim Abrams? No, David Zucker directed Basketball, which is uh, one of my guilty pleasures. Mm. So good. Which was also Trey Parker and Matt Stone. One of their first movies, I think, after Orgasmo. Oh gosh, and, uh, uh, it, it's yeah. a great. Great movie. Have you guys watched Bo Burnham's special yet? Uh, Inside there, no. he he kind of talks about it a couple of times, but just that is it still okay to like to be funny? Is it okay to like make jokes about uncomfortable things? Or there are no white basketball. <laughs> there yeah, are no like, good it, white basketball. You know, <laughs> have we moved on for, as a society from low hanging fruit comedy things, or even just like that it doesn't have to be this J.J. Abrams mystery box, like super in-depth, crazy thing. It can just be nice out. Does it a little bit with, you know, what's his name? Uh, Daniel Craig's character being kind of Rooster Cogburnish, where it's like, oh, he, mm. he doesn't have to be the heroic Perot. He can just be, oh, oh what are you saying? You know, I don't know. They're <laughs> I'm here to find <laughs> what is going on. The murderer. <laughs> the uh, murderer. The murderer down in Savannah, Georgia. It, it, <laughs> it just, I wish that we were still there. What do you think Val Kilmer's career would have been had this had been the hotshots, the mafia, the airplane? I, I don't know. I still think his career was still hot through the yeah. 80s and the no, 90s. No, but you think that... I don't think he Or if he got, like, more typecast in this sort of role, like Charlie exactly. Sheen. Exactly. I think that he would have stayed in this comedy, like, rut and never really got to get out to do Mad Mardigan, to do uh, a Top Gun 
to do Sorsha. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I I think without like a comedic role that honestly put him in the spotlight and even though it wasn't a success that it should have been it was still good people saw what he could do and then he got top gun then he plus he he was yeah, the straight guy he in this wasn't right any com- comedic person and you know he just he carried the straight like you said straight face nailed it right i, I don't know you 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 got him going top gun willow you know tombstone a little bit afterwards heat in the 90s I don't know. I mean, it, it, he kind of veered away from a little more comedic roles, obviously, and was doing more action and hardcore films. But what what a what a thing to look back on. Yeah, or or maybe you know, there. I always thought that if you were an actor or maybe like like a, a tech entrepreneur or something like, is there a, a time where you sort of you've made your nut and you're like, fuck it, I'm in my late forties or early fifties, I don't need to do this shit anymore. I'll just uh, sit here in my, my ranch and do what I want to do. And I have enough for me to live the lifestyle that I'm living many times over right now. Oh, um, Daniel day Lewis, you know, after he did Lincoln, he was like, I'm good. I don't, I mean, like, has he mm. been anything like serious or big since He's Lincoln? Only that, uh, that one movie where he was like the, uh, the, uh, dressmaker. Yeah. He was like Garrick from, uh, Deep Space Nine. He was the tailor. Okay. Or like the fashion maker, which that was a, that was a pretty good movie. I did enjoy it. I mean, that. I, I know that like after There Will Be Blood, he made like, he made like a public statement saying like, I, I'm, I don't need to do any more because I don't think I can do better than, you know, There Will Be Blood. And but I mean, then he went on and did Lincoln. But, you know, after that, I mean, obviously, I mean, there's this dressmaker movie, but I don't know of anything off the top of my head, anything that he has done since. So maybe it's not so much that he he dropped out of style or he lost his edge or something. Yeah, I think that's more of like the Travolta. <laughs> yes. Or or um, even Mel Gibson. Even Mel Gibson, but Mel Gibson, that Mel was, Gibson's been doing. He kind of he blew himself up. OK, uh, uh, yeah, ex- Thank you, Jack. Yeah. Yes, he blew himself up. He, he and he's been doing some things like Fat you know, Man. Kill the fat Man. Yeah. Fat Man was so much fat fucking man was fun. Great. And I think that's a good comeback kind of for him because he's done other films that have some have gone to theaters, some are like direct to video, but something like Fat Man, where it's so good and you know you know there either is or should be a sequel to it. Like something. Man, I don't think he's. But, but, I don't you know, think he's coming out of there's it. There's Bruce Willis. And, <laughs> you know, Bruce Willis is in one of my favorite movies of all Mr. time. Mr. it in. <laughs> but uh, there's there's currently a, a Bruce Willis movie. I think that's on Netflix. It's like a sci-fi thing. Uh, like a sci-fi thing, but it's like everybody is like, you know, doing their sci-fi thing in the previews, and then he's just sitting there, just sort of like, this is Nakatomi Towers in space. All right, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> and i i'm sorry bruce you, you, you've argyle you've lost the uh you've lost the passion for it man you you haven't done any different role of any any kind in the past 20 years you just need tracy morgan like next to him in the scene just going nope no no well, they need to bring chris tucker out of retirement and and uh get some some ruby rod on there <laughs> Hot, 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 hot! Come, 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 come
<laughs> yeah. So there, there are two scenes I want to brush on before we get into segments that are are worth worth bringing up because they're just so out of the left field for any movie. But that is the the backwards Swedish uh, bookstore scene, which is just so much fun to watch and and rewind and watch it again. And then there's the underwater duke out. The Old West Underwater Duke out where folks at home, if you haven't seen this, they are uh, fighting on the side of a military truck. They both fall over the edge of the bridge, Nigel and Nick Rivers, and they descend into basically like an underwater Western, Old Western bar and have a, a, a fist fight complete with broken bottles over the heads and discharged six, six shooters. It's just... I remember distinctly watching that scene for the first time and just being mind blown. Like, what the fuck is going on right now? The the book scene is absolutely brilliant. I mean, even if you were to watch it in the proper order, you know what I mean? Kind of like, you know, if you were to watch Memento the way it was filmed. But it's so it's still so funny. I mean, just them walking in the magnifying glass up to the face taking it away you're realizing it's just a giant eye which the mold for his head was made by one of the special effects uh artists from star wars who did like yoda and then they had to take a whole mold of his head and that's where he you know made the piece that goes on his face that's the same mold that they used to digitally scan for rogue one when they put uh tarkin back in mm. but it's, it's we were so close to great it was <laughs> But it's just a book, it's so funny. A bookshop, a bookshop owner, man of your talents. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so it's so good and funny. I, I mean, like, it, it's brilliant to think that, like, how many times because it's also like most of it, one continuous shot. I mean, that's that's a, like a credit unto itself. And just like to know that you have to like, you know, the like the him like sucking in before he has to <laughs> like how he has to do it. Perfectly right. The it's book's so popping good. out of the bookcase, so it looks like he's throwing them. Has up to there. catch it just right. I I want to know how many times they tried that. Exactly. I was curious on just how many times they were like, ah, hey, like it's not fluid enough. That looks too clunky. You've got to and do, do, they had to do the whole scene over again. And as far as the uh, the underwater scene, like this wasn't the abyss that we were talking about a few episodes ago. Like they all shot really, really, really short takes, and then just cut them all together and then at one point where uh uh val kilmer is doing sort of like the curly footwork from the three stooges or like the you know the the rope-a-dope footwork for boxing you can clearly see that it's like peeling white paint on the bottom of a metal tank that his his feet are sort of playing over so you know the wool's not completely over your eyes but I just I want to know what was going through their heads like they fall over and then like you know they they're fighting on boats like no We'll have them have a Western Duke out at the bottom of the river. Like, what the fuck? So I, I almost wondered if this was going the first time that I really like was watching it. I thought it was going to do more of the uh, or this is where maybe Peter and the chicken fights kind of pull from <laughs> where it's like they go from, you know, one extreme to the next where it da, 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 and Peter's on top of the train and the chicken is about to get to him and he sees the bridge coming. And, <laughs> and so they jump you know, off. The, yeah. Just the German soldier just crashes through it unscathed. <laughs> and even looks oh over God. his shoulder like there's the broken bridge. <laughs> <sighs> 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 <laughs> uh, 
I yeah, it, some really bold choices to to do full scenes like this and not to kind of skimp out and go, oh well, you know, we don't really need to do a full on fight scene underwater. It's like, no, let's let's do it. This is this is great. Yeah, I I, I thought it was really brilliant and incredibly well done. I mean, even watching it back when we had Hamsmas and I remember you sitting in your chair and you're just like, you know, taking another sip of your drink and I'm watching and you're just like, pay attention. And I'm just like, Jack, I got it. No, you don't understand. Watch. <laughs> if you, if you take your eyes off the screen, you're going to miss something. You were just, you were like, so excited. Uh, and I just loved how excited you were for it. When they're fighting in the truck before they go over into the water and like, instead of hitting each other, yeah. they're fighting over the radio. Right. Like, it's just, that's so fucking stupid. And then, like, the, with the uh, the shootout at the Resistance headquarters, like, playing tic-tac-toe so with the window panes. <laughs> and then, like, he he gets, like, all three uh, in a diagonal. Like, that's the end of the shootout for him. Or, uh, like, the shortest guy in the Resistance is also at the tallest window in the house so he's got to like jump up he can't even see over it he's just shooting over it and then freaking deja vu can't even break the window with his gun <laughs> he, he bends, bends the, the gun, gun. He, he he breaks the sledgehammer on right. it and then when they do get inside like and everyone's getting attacked by these germans the chocolate boost just does like like a a very surgical like he's just waving the tommy gun around and then it shows everybody else that just all the german soldiers drop and all the resistance fighters are just like oh my man they're shooting and then you have another you have the i know the one character come in my man <laughs> i love i loved uh chocolate mousse like picking up the yeah. cannon <laughs> And firing it through the window, or, or the or with the the uh, the troop car is coming towards them, and he just stands up, and somebody off camera no, no, hands him the Tommy gun, <laughs> like like he had like a gun caddy uh, standing off camera waiting there. The uh, oh. the the singing horse, I thought was quite funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> or with he's looking through the uh, uh, binoculars at the herd of cows that they're going to infiltrate <laughs> and the cows just start jumping over the bottom arc of the binoculars and you realize he's not looking through binoculars it's just a camera shot of a large black cutout that looks like binoculars there's a lot of optical and the illusions. horses are just 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 parading through it yeah there's a lot of optical illusions much like the phone call and you think that the phone is just closer to the camera. No, it's a giant frickin' phone. <laughs> the, the cow that he's with answering. The, the boots. <laughs> oh, that was so oh. funny just watching him. Which which dude, the cow was listed in the uh in the credits. <laughs> I think the cow's name was Daisy. <laughs> Cows apparently hate having anything on their hooves or their feet. So they were Velcro-crowed around her legs and then they painted like the black spots onto her as well. There's a lot of like, I mean, that's a gimmick. You had the boots that when he crawled through the fence, he thought someone was standing there when he came face to face with them. But they're just a set of boots that are sitting there. And even when, you know, the... The general, the gun leaned against the tree that was holding, that was holding the tree, the tree up. up. The general sitting in his desk, and he's that was the only other joke that, I mean, you could still laugh at it as like you know like Nazi calisthenics, like oh, the, to get the into workout shape. boots, but like the actual, yeah, the the no no the boots that are like that are uh, sitting up on the desk, 
and then he actually stands up and they're still they're still there and you realize that oh, those are not the, his the legs. books that he's reading where it's like uh like the german work workout the, boots <laughs> right but the person that is actually depicted on the cover he was actually quite an overweight individual uh for like the german <laughs> army like so that's why i mean like if you knew who it was it was funny luckily like i mean it's kind of funny like i had my parents over watching uh, like my second time through it and my dad is looking at it going like that's funny. And I was like, wait, pause. Why? <laughs> He's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, if you know who that is, that's pretty funny. <laughs> so, I mean, again, there's there's very few jokes, I think, that historically, not even like culturally, I think you just like if you know a little bit of history of like who it's kind of pointing out at, that makes it a little bit funny. Funnier, probably. It's on the corner of Hitler Street and Himmlerstrasse. <laughs> uh, or the the, you know, Nigel is in the back of the cow. And the calf comes up and starts to feed. And it's, it's, that's really one of the only highbrow scenes in it. But I just love how Nigel's just like, well, just to hold on. I, I don't see why we're in such a rush to begin with. <laughs> why is everyone always rushing? Ooh. Ooh. And then when he gets it from the other end, uh, congratulations, you're an asshole. And the bull comes up and starts to mate with the cow. And the, the next scene is when he confronts <laughs> or when, uh, you know, the, the, is it Lucy? She gets, uh, figures out that Nigel's the traitor and there's Nigel and it's straight face until he starts walking. <laughs> and it's just like the hips are exaggeratedly going up and down, but the feet are only going maybe an inch or two forward <laughs> at a time. It's just great, great little comedy bits. Segmontes? Segmontes. Better. That was kind of okay. Segments. That wasn't bad. All right. Souvenirs, novelties, party trick. Agent Cedric's intelligence contract or contact is selling a suitcase of cheap fun. Did you ever indulge in the mundane pranks offered in Halloween stores or Spencer's gifts at your local mall? What were your favorite? And do you have any good stories putting your nefarious wares to use? Well, when I, you know, was younger, I absolutely loved and I mean, still do still do love Halloween getting as much fake blood as I could absolutely loved getting fake blood i i would love to like you know like just slather it over stuff decorating the front of our house haunted house style getting ready for people to come up deck myself out make myself look like a dead body spring up at kids as they you know were coming to get candy but it was like during the month of halloween like going to school like i would get those little fake you know prosthetics that you could put on your face and one of them was like a pencil that <laughs> i put like it goes in one here and then like the pencil comes out the other side of your head. And I wore that around school and I got sent up <laughs> to the office because <laughs> they're all like, uh, this is extremely uh, violent and you need to take it off. And I'm like, really? Really? Look at me. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, well, I'm like if someone's going to be scared by this, like something's something's off. I, uh. I have two items that this the segment brought to to nostalgia. The first one was my grandpa had uh, just a snake in a can, and I was pretty young. I was probably like five, six years old, and he was like, "Oh, Nathan, like I want to show you something, but like you know, don't tell grandma. You know, it's really you know we're we're gonna have this after dinner." I was just like, "Oh, like what is it?" And he opens it and. 
scares the crap out of me. And then as a kid, when something happens to you that's hilarious and like people are laughing, all you want to do is recreate it. So I went around the entire Thanksgiving like evening trying to get <laughs> the cats out of the bag oh, at this point. Oh, do you do you want to see what's in the can? Like, and of course everyone's like, "No, I'm good, Nate." And like, no, no one would. I'm like, but I think you should open it because it's really cool. No, I'm good. Thanks though, Nathan. Yeah, just open the can. You're like the kid who discovers. <laughs> open the can. You're like the kid who discovers the whoopee cushion, <laughs> and you're just all like. Have a seat, Grandma. Thank you. And you're like, ah, ha, ha, ha. And then later on, Dad? No. Go sit down, Come Nathan. On. Sit, sit down. So I I didn't get anyone except it was like, yeah, sure. Oh, you know, be, being the good, being the good dad. But then <laughs> Harry Potter jelly beans oh, no. fucked me up. Oh, my gosh. I took a handful of them because I was like, ah, sweet. Like, (laughs) and just my nose filled up. Like, oh no. One was like fizzy. I was like, what the? (laughs) And it couldn't get out of my mouth. And so I was like, ah, well, I've got to buy a goddamn carton of this and uh, wreak havoc to other people and kept that one going for a little bit. And that was a good school one to bring where you're like, you want some jelly beans? Like, Oh yeah, sure. And you catch people off guard because no one's fucking thinking about Harry Potter jelly beans. And sure enough, ha uh, you got vomit. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, the the one jelly bean from the you know every flavor bean that got me was the soap. Ugh. The soap one, like it was just, I mean it it brought back such bad memories because like when my brother and I, if we were to like curse when we were younger, it wasn't like. Oh, you know, your mom's going to like take the bar of soap and stick it in your mouth. No, my mother took liquid hand soap and put that in our mouths. Oh, and so like getting the soap jelly bean, I'm just like, oh, 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 childhood, childhood. (laughs) The pain. Uh, So not far from my hometown in Ohio, there is a little town off of the 675 bypass around Dayton that is Fairborn, Ohio. And Fairborn, surrounded by farms on all sides, you're getting pretty rural at this point. And they have like the idyllic sort of old town Main Street where it's like, you know, three or four blocks. There's a boulevard, you know, the old, you know, like two, three story buildings at the max. And this is the town that Foy's built. Uh, Foy's is a, a Halloween company that, that you know, family out there. And when times got hard, they just kept on buying up these old businesses on Main Street. So at, at this point, when I checked their website last night, there are eight Foy's Halloween stores in Fairborn, Ohio, but they're, they're specialized. So you've got your adult costume store, your kids costumes, props and special effects, decorations. They have like the high end rentals. Like if you wanted to go as like Darth Vader or like a real classy Darth Vader or like the predator, you know, they would, they would rent out these suits during Halloween. I think they even have like a Foy's rock and roll diner out there now. They would have hearsts parked around Main Street that were done up to look like Frankenstein or like uh, the hearst from uh, Monster Squad or Ecto-1 from Mm -hmm. Ghostbusters. They would have a, a store that was just all of like your mischief 
And this is where we spent most of our time because our buddy's dad would just drop us off there at some point in September or October. And we, we, you know, we all knew we were going out there to find a costume, but it's like, you'll find the cheapest costume you can. And then you blow all your money on mischief and this was uh packets of flash paper which i still love the the stink bombs in the uh, little glass ampules uh i bought a switchblade that was a comb out there that i wish i still had to this day they had fart bags which were little foil packets filled with uh stinky powder and you could burst a little liquid chemical reagent inside and it would slowly blow the bag up and just blow this stinky goo all over the place so (laughs) halloween night we we were not not good we would leave fart bags on people's doorsteps or in their mailboxes we would hand out because usually the stink bombs were in packets of four and we would hand out to like our friends and it's like okay in middle school like between second and third period you drop this stink bomb here between third and fourth period you drop (laughs) the stink bomb here so it's like the the school kept on getting stink bombed like every period change throughout the day until they finally started like escorting individual pods over to other pods so teachers could like keep an eye out for where the stink bombs are coming uh, like Rogue One like are we blind? Deploy the janitors! Like, <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and it was carpet. And I I'd, I'd had a buddy that he threw his down, but he didn't throw it hard enough between classes. And it didn't break, but somebody ended up stepping on it. But the, uh, the ampule had like a little teardrop at the top. So you could kind of rip that off with your fingers and then pour the stink bomb fluid. Oh. Like as you're walking along and then like there were those big trash cans all over the school for litter so like you walk by on your way to class boom uh in goes the evidence and uh, by about that time is when it starts to fucking stink like skunk so we had we had some really good times and uh i think we're going back we are going back to ohio this year and i definitely need to go out to foy's not to really buy much mischief but just for the nostalgia of it because it's still going strong but yeah those were, those were our times. So, uh, segmente number two. Ich liebe dich, my shots. <laughs> Top Secret was a hangout favorite with my group of friends in late middle school and throughout high school. Even now, almost 20 years later, it would not be a common to offer one of them something innocuous like grabbing your buddy or beer and be thanked with Ich liebe dich, my shots as you left the room. Was there a specific movie quote that was in such common use in your friend group that it was practically currency to, to mark those within it? So we would have what we called fancy nights where we would, uh, everyone would wear blazers. We'd buy like Excalibur cigars from like Chevron and you would bring your fanciest of uh, snacks. My uh, contributing snack was usually garlic stuffed olives because i just thought that they were just classy like just classy as fuck to (laughs) and we typically drink like the shittiest wine that we can get box wine and we would have like crazy amounts of wine i remember i think one night i drank like two and a half bottles horrible nights but a lot of fun, and we would play poker, or we would we would do like a like kind of like a shuffleboard at the apartment place that we were at. And one night when we were playing poker, my buddy Garrett just said, uh, just quoted the line from uh, Casino Royale, 
I'm bleeding chips. I'm a brother from Langley. And we were both shit-faced drunk. And it caught me off guard. And so I was just like crying, <laughs> laughing, like, like I, what was so funny, guys? They were just, and we just kept saying it the rest of the night. And then it turned into a, a week. Every time that we needed to, we were laughing and we, like, one would grab the other person and just go, I'm bleeding chips. I'm a brother from Langley. <laughs> and it just, it stuck for a long, long time. <laughs> Yeah. The your your shittiest wine line uh, made me kind of remember a quick part in Top Secret when he gets the wine brought over to him in the club <laughs> and it pops the top and he smells the twist off cap. <laughs> yeah, yeah that was fun. Like, yeah, it's okay. Pour the, <laughs> the, pour bottle, the bottle of Ripple. <laughs> okay. So again, so again, thank God, like I had my dad here. He looked at that and he he stopped and he looked at me and he said, like, that is the foulest wine that you could ever have i don't think it's, you could even get it anymore you can't get it anymore he he looked me straight in the eye and i was all like how bad was it and he's all like oh oh it was like 99 cents a bottle it was so bad <laughs> so the oh. fact that it melted through the glass it, it completely adds up because i would not have known otherwise i mean like even again to the point of not knowing what it was just understanding that it melted the glass just all you all you get from it is like that's some really cheap wine <laughs> Yeah, so when I was in uh, in college, I worked at a place, and I've talked about this previously on this podcast. It was a, a beer and wine drive-through where you the customer drove into the warehouse, and we would get them their beer, their cigarettes, their wine, their lottery tickets, and then we would get paid hourly and get some tips. There are things that we sold in that drive-through that I have never seen anywhere else because it was just in such a sketchy part of town and one of them was called wild irish rose and wild irish rose was the highest alcohol content in a wine that you could legally sell before it became okay. hard liquor sort of like the malt liquor of beers like how do we get more bang for our buck you could buy a pint or you could buy like these pints. little like shorties of them yeah it, it and we would pints. we would have uh wild iris rose races between cars where we just like would buy them tip them back and you know it, it wasn't really a competition because nobody won these things but yeah uh that 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 i could only imagine ripple being somewhat akin to as for movie quotes i couldn't really think of something that was so prominent in our like group of friends where it was a direct movie quote however my friend mike and zach and also our friend tia we would quote the simpsons to each other all the time all the time these goggles they do nothing i feel like, <laughs> family nothing. Guy got a lot of like especially seasons <laughs> like you? one through three was highly yeah, quotable. like yeah yeah, I mean, but I mean, it's just it was like certain things where like we would go out to dinner as like friends and, you know, I would like look over my buddy and it would just be all like, what well, looks good? And he was all like, I was thinking the sampler and I'm like, "Ooh, it's very popular <laughs> or like, because that's what that's Mo as he's about to perform surgery on Homer or just like certain things where just, <laughs> you look at him and he's like, were you saying boo earns? No, boo burns. Oh, <laughs> Don't cry for me. me. I'm already dead. <laughs> me fail English? That's impossible. You choo choo choose me? <laughs> Simpsons, like all the time. That was like late high school, early college years for like our group of friends, just like, especially just me and my buddy Mike. 
just all the time since Simpsons back and forth to each other. And it didn't even necessarily have to apply to what we were talking about. But somehow it didn't matter because we made it work. So, yeah, Simpsons all the time. Uh, so with my group of guy friends back in Ohio or back in the Midwest, you can't go wrong with Braveheart. Uh, I think at every wedding that has been had and probably at my my wedding reception coming up this fall, one of them is going to make is going to declare the rights of Prima Nocta. Um, <laughs> Or uh, no, no, if you no, can't drive right. them out, you'll breed them out. <laughs> it's my right. Um, <laughs> my uh, kindergarten cop is another weird one where, like, if what? we're packing, like, if we have it's, to. It's not a tumor. <laughs> if we have to pack up, like, you know, it's the last morning of camping. Everyone's hung over. You got to pack up the, tr- you know, the camper and the campsite and clean up. My buddy Rob, who's who's a little bit more bushy, uh, blue-eyed and bushy-tailed than than the rest of us in the morning, will be like, "All right, come on, guys, come on, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. <laughs> a big one at the last camping trip pre-COVID was it was really fucking cold. We were camping in November, and uh, I think it got into like the twenties that night. So it was really, really frigid and we would choose to move away from the fire and go into the heated camper and so as we're approaching where we have to go through the cold zone we're like we're all freezing our butts off for like you know a minute before we get into the heated camper so i'm in the back yelling open the blast door open the blast door (laughs) and then my buddy rob because i would be the last one in he's shouting over his shoulder close the blast door close the blast door and it would piss my buddy todd off so bad we'd be like well you guys just shut the fuck up with this stuff (laughs) so if if somebody sends like a random youtube video or a little little uh, you know gif or something to our friends group sometimes if it's todd like i'll respond by just sending him a 10 second clip on youtube of close the blast door close the blast door open the blast door open the blast door for star wars and it it's so so fucking simple but so fucking stupid at the same time i think that's the best thing about those kind of lines it's just yeah all right uh river bottom duke out you are nick rivers your enemy and you fall out of the transport truck and into the river you both sink to the bottom clearly able to breathe what implausible an imaginative fight awaits you a duel with laser swords a gun battle bridge officer and a star trek vessel what is your fancy i'll go first on this one the uh endor force mood of endor speeder bike scene but done underwater like it wouldn't be as fast but it would use the same sound effects and i would like to see uh, a man in a bad ewok costume <laughs> under the water i'll take it to these two 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 I don't know how to do a bubbly yeah, voice. Exactly. <laughs> she was like, what yeah. the fuck is Nathan doing? <laughs> yeah. Cutting this yeah, from Or, or the even audio. like even like the Sarlacc pit for Return of the Jedi as well. Like he gets Boba Fett. Boba Fett. Uh, I thought you couldn't. Uh, and like he gets knocked <laughs> over the edge, but it's just like he could obviously be saved or swim him out. But Boba Fett is still slowly going to fall it's a and roll into the, the bottom. Pit. <laughs> <laughs> so I would do this is this may be a data. This, Jack will appreciate this. Drew will appreciate this uh, in different different aspects. This is an older film. The Great Race. Tony Curtis and Jack Lennon, Natalie Wood, Peter Falk. The pie fight scene in that film is one of the best scenes. I it it kills. I love it. It's a that movie's a ten for me. And to do an underwater 
pie fight scene with those characters would just be hilarious word because the pie would just be dissipating in the water as it's being thrown the music uh it's great (laughs) i like it i like it so as as we fall into the water and we are descending to the bottom time and space (laughs) through time and space our clothes have suddenly switched to chef's outfits and i land in kitchen stadium i'm I'm the chef (laughs) and chairman kaga is standing up there with his bell pepper and he's just gonna say a la cuisine and bite his bell pepper as we try to duke it out in kitchen stadium And I was desperately trying to think of like something that's not going to like obviously float away underwater. But, you know, physics are not really being applied here. But I also thought of something that would be like probably hilarious to try and do, like starting a fire underwater. Haruki Sakai is doing his famous fish base. How is he going to pull that off underwater? (laughs) All the seasoning just just grabs a fish underwater. Like, you will never find freshness like this. Um, uh, Fuki-san, it looks like he just grabbed a fish right out of the water. (laughs) Actually, that's another thing that my friends and I did all the time to each other. We said that all the time. But uh, yeah, a a fight out, a a chef cook-off in uh, Kitchen Stadium, which I think would be absolutely hilarious. We'll take the the laws and physics of SpongeBob where we can start a fire underwater and uh, cook things. I like it. I like it. Well, uh, what would you guys rate this here movie? So this movie itself, since it is still a little bit so new and since it does, it still makes me think of Hot Shots and, you know, Naked Gun. But it's not that for me. And I think more so for Jack, since it's it's so near and dear to his heart, probably because he saw it first, obviously. But it still works. And the more I watch it, much like Nathan, you appreciate more and more yeah. and more and you see more and more and more. This for me gets a like a solid three and a half out of five i still think it's hilariously funny but uh i don't know it just it doesn't hit the mark for me on other spoof movies that i that i personally saw first and grew up with well i would go uh with i'd say four and a half out of five jars of sauerkraut in my later hosen yeah this isn't just a movie that's near and dear with me it's also something that's near and dear with like my really close friend group. So there's just the nostalgia, the quotability of it. Ich mein Schatz. What phony dog poop. Like there are so many lines out of this movie that, <laughs> that can come up at any time when I'm hanging out with those guys. So if someone asked me, uh, if, you know, I said, Nathan, do you like this movie? And I was told, you know, oh, they've, you know, they recommend the pork bellies marinated in diced pin, roasted swine knuckles, poached in flaming hog balls. Anything's fine. This movie <laughs> doesn't, like, nail... It, it's it's just a lot of, like, pork and fat, and I like pork and fat and deliciousness, so any of it is, is just... Eh, that sounds great. Like, this movie is a good, like, 8 out of 10, because it's just... It is what it is. It's just... Tons of port, and it is satisfying. Every single watch. 220 <laughs> distinctive varieties of sausage. Uh, gout and mustard. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this this was a... I watched this almost four full times uh, for our watch. I just... 
I'd put it on. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll watch it again. Like, and would tune in and catch a couple new parts. Why not? Yeah, you, there's always new stuff to be caught in it. Yeah, I, I, I really do enjoy it. But it is nice that it's only 90 minutes. So that uh, it's a, you know, it's something that you can mm. easily bang out in an evening and feel like you're sitting down for a two and a half hour affair. Yes. Right. Well. Jack, do we have a Patreon special for this? Uh, no, we don't. Oh. You know, I, I think unless it really jumps out at me for my own movies, but there is just nothing that either I hadn't done before or it would just be sort of a mock-up of something else. Plus, I, I don't know, the movie stands on its own. So you know, if, if folks at home, if you want to give us a call on the Tooch line, tell us about your favorite Ooh. scene, your favorite gag, or why you love or hate this movie, and I think that's Patreon. Enough. Or we do have a Patreon, but it is All right. top secret. <laughs> Cut, print. <laughs> and see. Well, guys, if, if you do want to call us on the Tooch line, you can call 661-376-0030. We would absolutely love to hear from you to call on the Tooch line. Again, tell us your favorite parts of Top Secret, maybe even your very own favorite spoof movie that's out there and has come and gone. To say hi, leave recommendations, whatever. Talk about, you know, what things we should be doing and uh, checking out on what are you watching. There's plenty of things to do for the Toochline folks. Yes. Toochline giveth, Toochline taketh away, but give. Give to the Toochline. Well, you can always give a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you don't want to call the Toochline. You know, just get on there. Tell us how much you love The Real Feels. We'd absolutely adore it. The more that you give us that recognition is the more that Real Fills gets out there in the podcast first, and we get to spread the feels to everyone, folks. And it'll go to our heads. That, that'll that go straight to the to the. Nine. Find them and spread them. <laughs> Leave no marks. <laughs> well, you know, guys, you can always uh, hit us up on Facebook and Instagram to search for the Real Fills podcast. You can go to Twitter. We are at Real Fills Pod. And, of course, if you want to shoot us an email, we are realfillspodcast at gmail.com and uh oh gosh coming up nathan has bringing down the house tragedy well we got a little comedy beforehand good with the bad and we'll and we'll sandwich it with a little bit of comedy afterwards yeah i will i will bring screwball comedy to uh help round off the uh the tragedy that nathan will be bringing us Uh, is it don't they call that like a I think that's like a uh, like a yearly sort of review from an employer. They call it like a shit sandwich. Or, a compliment sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it's like they give you something that they like, and they, the filling is made of shit, but then they finish with something that they like. That's what we're going to be doing for you guys uh, the rest of the summer here. You showed up on time most of this uh, this week. You're going to get fired. But we really enjoy your work ethic uh, <laughs> when you clean the toilets. <laughs> You're like, what? <laughs> Is this homemade ciabatta bread? Oh, yeah. Mm. Isn't it great? Delicious. Whoa, what's inside? Cat litter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's delicious. We really enjoy <laughs> how you delicious. bake and bring treats to the office, Jack. Just maybe not label the one you leave downstairs for the technicians for the fatties. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's uh, for a cop. Why'd you tell them it's for a cop? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you for joining us for the Real Fills podcast. We hope you have had a good time. Go tell all your friends, family, loved ones about all them feels that you can get out here. 
Top Secret, I believe, is uh, still available at this time on Amazon Prime. She is. I own mm. it. <laughs> Come watch it with me. Come watch it with me. Uh, so we will see you next week for an episode of What Are You Watching? And then the following week, we'll uh, we'll get into Nathan's tragedy. Mm. So, as always, remember, you're the realist. And the feelist. Souvenirs, novelties, party tricks. You forgot your phony dog poop. What phony dog poop? And I'll miss you most of all, Scarecrow. <laughs> Latrine! Latrine! Oh, Christ. Suddenly pitching, riding waves to glass clay pigeons. And it's so neat shooting ski while you're riding out the heavies all day.